Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Lisa. And together we are Two Sober Chicks. Thanks so much for joining us again today. Um, I'm very proud of the fact that we have been holding on to our New Year's resolution. And it's like March. So thank you so much. Well, it's actually February 2nd. Oh, sorry. Yes, Yes, it's March. How could I forget? No, it is February 2nd, but we are recording in February, but this probably won't hit the airwaves until March. Okay. I have everything scheduled, you see. That's excellent. Yes. Apparently, that's a thing I say a lot. Now I'm catching it. You see. You do? My wife tells me this. I've never... She likes it. She thinks it's cute, but she always repeats it when I say it. Oh. I say you see. I have not noticed that. And she loves... She laughs. Okay. So So we are coming to you live from the midst of the coronavirus, (laughs) which I think is so ridiculous and overblown. And as I was walking into an AA meeting the other day, I thought, that's so funny. It's called coronavirus. Like, what's next? Like the Molson virus or the Smirnoff virus? I know. Like how alcoholics would be like, I want that virus. I was talking to my ex-partner. Um, the other day she was congratulating me on my new job and she called to say how happy she was what a difference sobriety makes my ex called to congratulate me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and say how happy she was for me and my wife Um, but that aside she said so how are you surviving the coronavirus and I said honey I'm a veteran of the coronavirus you should know this (laughs) Uh... I survived that virus a long time ago that used to be my excuse I'd call into work with the coronavirus (laughs) Or the tequila flu or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yep. We have a lot of people walking around the city with masks on. Well, I live in like what's known as sort of the Korean area of Toronto. Mm -hmm. So people walk around with masks on all the time here. So really nothing's changed for Mm -hmm. me. It's it. I get in an elevator at least five times a day and somebody's wearing a mask. And this happened before the virus. Yeah. Something to do with that. They, they, I don't know. Maybe it's because they travel a lot. When I was in, I, uh, back in a former life and I modeled, I lived in Japan for three months and that was very common to mm-hmm. see masks out on the street. Yep. So. So it's here, but now I'm seeing other people do it more frequently. Yeah. And so you were going to say, I think it's silly. <laughs> I think it's way overblown. Yeah. Like we're talking about the flu kills over 3,000 people a year annually and this coronavirus which has been on Lysol labels forever it's not new mm-hmm. has uh there has been I don't think any deaths here in Canada it's all sort of been contained to China one death here I think there was one yeah okay but um I know I a lot of my fears gone away since I got sober so I no longer even let a fear descend on me yeah. um and gain much ground it's good I'll be like I'll just wash my hands I can't control the outcome let go and let God kind of right. a thing And that's it. And it's not, um, you can't spread it by air. It's not an airborne virus, right? It has to be fluids. Yeah, direct contact with someone who's speaking to you or like coughing and sneezing on you. So people who are at higher risk would be all the people working in the medical profession. Yeah, or Or first line responders. mm -hmm, Who are dealing with that stuff all the time. Yeah. So yeah, and we have a friend who's out there, a first line responder, and she's been given a mask. I think it's the N92 mask. They were given special masks. Yeah. But um, they're also running out and they're in low supply. So if you want to donate, contact the Toronto Police Service. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And donate a mask for them, all our wonderful first responders. Mm -hmm. What else were you going to say? So I, well, so I heard something last week, which was very interesting. And I think a valid point, 
But um, when I heard it, it made me think about the difference between an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic. So um, a friend of mine who's in the program, who's an alcoholic, was talking to a friend of hers who is not in the program and not an alcoholic. And she was sort of giving like a mini my story talk and saying how um, she didn't feel right her whole life. She felt less than, not a part of, not right in her own skin a lot of anxiety you know we hear that mm-hmm. a lot in talks right yeah and then I found alcohol and everything was better kind of as the short end of the story right and the person who's not an alcoholic looked at her and was like well boo-hoo I felt like that too and so do most people on this planet okay <laughs> and I thought about that and I thought the difference is as an alcoholic we have an obsession of the mind an allergy of the body and the phenomenon of craving which is what separates us so yes we may walk through the the world the same as someone who's not one of us but the difference is we find the drug or the booze or the behavior and it sets off all three of those things which in a normal person it doesn't do like a normal quote-unquote normal person might have a couple of drinks and get up hung over the next day or get wasted to cope with their problems but the alcoholic the next day is going to have that phenomenon of craving Mm -hmm. that they or phenomenon of craving for a drug that is overpowering and that's what sets us apart we're not special because we had a hard time in life everyone does yes it's what booze and drugs and behaviors do to us that leads into the addiction and then how we find freedom and recovery and why it works so well because we break that cycle of um, obsession of the mind, allergy of the body, and phenomenon of craving. Right. So the normal person, they might use alcohol or a drug to cope with the boohoos of life. Yes. Um, and then they wake up with the hangover the next day and go, oh, fuck, I'm not doing that again. And they mean it and they do it. They, yeah. They don't continue. Yeah. Whereas the alcoholic or the addict wakes up the next day like I did year after year, day after day, and go, oh, with the worst hangovers, like three-day-long hangovers. Why would anyone continue to drink? Yeah. Suffering like that. Mm-hmm. Because I have an allergy, I have obsession of the mind, and it triggered the craving. Once I take that drink, it the craving is triggered. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm not drinking, the obsession of the mind takes over, mm-hmm. telling me things like, oh, it wasn't that bad, really. And it would take away the pain that you're feeling right now. We can deal with that hangover later. You know, you can always go to the hospital and get a shot of Demerol or something like that <laughs> to settle you down. We'll deal with that later. Yeah. Take away this pain now. So you're right. I think that is a great explanation of the difference. And I hope your friend shares this podcast with their friend. I hope so, too. And when we talk about allergy of the body, we don't mean like a peanut allergy where you would if you have a peanut allergy no fucking way are you ingesting a peanut when the big book and when in recovery we talk about allergy of the body we mean um a response to something ingested that is not a typical response right so alcohol or drugs in the body of someone who is addicted we have a like we have an initial oh and then you know, tries to kill us. That is an abnormal response to a substance that normal people don't have. Normal people have the off trigger. Mm-hmm. Like I've had too much to drink or I don't like this feeling or I don't want to do that again. And our body goes more, 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 more. I don't care if I'm killing you more, 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 more. Yeah, yeah. So that's what the allergy and is. And there was, I don't know if this is true or not, if, if they've scientifically proven that it's not true today or because I remember hearing Joe and Charlie and they talked about the allergen. And how we process or break down alcohol differently than Absolutely. other people. We do. And I, and I forget that scientific terminology, but you can probably look it up. 
Yeah. Addiction uh, science is really cool. Okay. So that's, to me, that's how I understood the allergy, that my body actually handles it differently than a, than a normal drinker's body. Yeah. An ab- adverse yeah. reaction that most people don't have. And here's the difference between me and somebody like my very first sponsor never had a hangover. Yeah, I've heard of that too. Fuck, I wouldn't have made it into the rooms if I didn't have hangovers. That was the worst part of my addiction. Yeah, and our dear friend, uh, mother of five, also says that she never had a hangover. (laughs) Holy shit. I don't know how she fucking made it here. Because if I could drink with impunity, I probably would still be drinking today. Me too. Why stop? Yeah, so I guess it was the wreckage around her that caused her to... Stop. She had a moment of grace though. Like her moment of grace is burned into my brain in such a way like I feel like I watched the movie. And hers too, yeah. Where she sure. was like in on the middle of the floor deserted by her family and having this like, what am I doing? What yeah. What is this? Yeah. I've been drinking for five days straight. And it's so cool because the first thought is, yeah, you're leaving and you're taking the kids. Yeehaw. Awesome. <laughs> Fucking great. Yeah, party on. Yep. And I was so proud of her when she first shared that in front of, you know, a large room of 100 alcoholics, because that's humility. That's that takes Mm -hmm. a lot of humility to say, this is how fucked up and broken I was. Mm -hmm. I have five children and my husband's leaving with them. And I'm excited. And like, we're not talking just five kids. We're also talking about, I think the the youngest youngest was was two. One and a half, two. Yeah. At that age. And then it was five days later after her party of one. She was like, holy fuck, brought to her knees, vomiting, and she'd never had a hangover before, but she's vomiting. She's asking God for help, and she yeah. starts vomiting and purging her body of this substance, and she hasn't had a drink since. So one it's of those- of clarity. One when, of those miracles we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't a person who believed in those things before, so I'm yeah. not a big believer of- Me neither. Miracles. Yeah, me neither. Oh, that but reminds me. I see them every me. day. The um, movie? No, but I will talk about the movie. (laughs) So I do a lecture every six weeks, um, like basically a didactic lecture on the 12 steps, what they are, the spiritual principles, how to practice them, et cetera, to people in treatment. And it was such a shit show, (laughs) which is reminiscent of treatment, right? Like half the room left and not all at once, a steady stream of beginning, middle, and end. And if you've ever given a talk anywhere, whether you're you know, a student or a teacher, a business person, and you're at the front of a room and people get up and leave, it's a little bit uh, you know, disruptive. Uh-huh. It can throw you off. It yeah. stops your, it interrupts your thought process. So yes. imagine seven of them or a steady stream of people. Yes. <laughs> And so it's funny because this is how far I've come in my growth and recovery that I've gotten to the point. First of all, you never know what you're going to get in treatment. People are detoxing. They're angry. You mentioned the word God. Several people will leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Who knows what I said that triggered people? It could have been emotion where it was too hard for them to hear. I don't know. Um, But doing this, it's funny because people think it's harder in jail. I've done this talk in jail as um, two-day programs. Mm -hmm. Um, and people think that's harder, but first of all, they can't leave. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. They're a captive audience, literally. Um, but they're far more open and interested than people who have just been brought to their knees and are detoxing and some of them don't want to, like, I mean, people don't want to be imprisoned, but, Mm -hmm. um, treatment trained me for jail not the other way around yeah so I left there laughing and I reached out to my little sister group on Marco Polo which is a video chat service 
And I was like, well, that just happened. (laughs) And then just went about my day because what I've learned too, I've heard this with any performers, whether it's comedians or actors or whatever, there could be a hundred captive people in an audience and the one person that's scowling at you or leaves, you focus on them. Right. But I have learned um, to focus on the people that are there because if even one person comes up to me after and says, thanks, that was great, it's mm-hmm. totally worth it. Yeah. And I remember I used to beat myself up after talks all the time and having God tell me in my spirit you're not allowed to do that. You don't know how that landed. You don't know what people heard. So how dare you criticize something that you don't even know what actually happened. And that helped me stop obsessing after I would do a talk because it's often the person in the, in the, not the audience, but in the room, the person I think is hating my guts the most and wants to kill me is often the one that will come up to me after and say, I really like that. Thank you very much. You never know what's going on in someone's head. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That was an epic talk this Saturday. That taught me, um, that's how I learned not to take things personally, especially when giving a talk, um, that I would tell myself afterwards, because I used to call my sponsor afterwards and sort of debrief, Mm -hmm. and that's when he pointed out, wow, you're really hard on yourself, one, Uh, and two, the talk went exactly the way Mm -hmm. your higher power planned it to go, Mm -hmm. and that's why you don't write it down. That's why it's not a prepared speech. Mm -hmm. It's a talk of the heart, and that way your spirit your higher spirit, your higher self talks through you. And uh, and I will sometimes start my talk that way saying, hey, we're all in for a treat tonight because I have no idea uh-huh. what's going to come out of my mouth because <laughs> this isn't my talk. It's my story, but it's not my talk. That's good. It's my God's talk. It's my higher power. And, ho- and hopefully, um, and that helps me let it go because then I feel my higher power is telling me or helping me deliver the message that somebody needs to hear. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it might only be one person, um, but that doesn't matter. No, and it's that's amazing. trust. That's faith. Saying, yeah. all right, as there's a difference between the person who does that, which is, God, I surrender myself to you. Do with me as you will. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go in there and give my talk. Yeah. I'm going to give the best talk tonight. And, right. And you know what? You can also tell those people who uh, go longer than the prescribed time. I got oh, off and left a meeting me just recently. Saturday night. Because it's time it's after time it's five minutes after and Mm -hmm. i'm like okay chairperson isn't stopping this person and they're not even through the first part of their story oh good god i'm gonna go now so it's one of these meetings that i absolutely love it's the lansing group oh they do i love lansing no they do the seven o'clock meeting and then they do an open speaker at 8 30 so i get a double shot of aa in one night and for somebody who works shift work like i do and doesn't often get to a meeting for seven days I double up on my days off. Mm-hmm. So boom, on Saturday night, I've already done two, you know, and then I go on Monday night and then I'm going to go on Wednesday night and then I'm back to work again. So yeah. it's amazing. I love it. But it's difficult being a chairperson, you know, mm-hmm. We're, there are no leaders. We're servants. Mm-hmm. Nobody governs. But when you're the chairperson, it's your responsibility to kind of keep that train on the tracks. Yeah. And it's Stand hard. up, get close to the front of the room. Start moving over. Usually people will be like, oh shit, okay, I must be at time. Yeah. Or just give the wrap-up sign, like yeah. the helicopter sign. <laughs> yeah. I used to move to the back of the room in some of these meetings, like I'd, so they could see me. And then I'd just do this. Or I remember, oh, I did that. I'd do she's that tapping to, her wrist, by I the way. That, yeah, I do that to my sponsees when they're talking. As soon as I catch eye contact, if it's like time to wrap up, I go, I tap my, what would be my uh, wristwatch if I wore one. 
I like land the plane. That's one of my favorite sayings. Land the plane, Lisa. Land the plane. Yes. Coming from uh, your father with a an air, I was going to say Air Force background, but pilot background. Pilot. Commercial pilot. Land yeah. the plane. Yeah. Okay, well, we're at 16 minutes, so do you want to save the we movie? We are? Yeah. Yes. I know. Just I want to talk chilling. about, we have a couple of things to talk about. It's funny because we sit down five minutes before, turn, before we turn the microphones on and we're like, what are we going to talk about? And yeah. I throw out some topics and yeah. we see what lands. But stay tuned for our next podcast where we're going to talk about a movie that had me sobbing like a baby because it triggered me. <laughs> Fucking word. Ah. And the difference between being triggered and being triggered. Um, and then we were going to talk about losing relationships yes in sobriety due to other relationships forming right and how it's good not to invest all your eggs in one basket kind of thing yes all right so we'll talk about that next what's the name of the movie in case they want to look it up and watch it before the next podcast it's with joaquin phoenix one of my favorite actors (sighs) and it's called don't worry he won't get far on foot And you can find it on Prime if you have Amazon Prime and probably on Apple TV too because they have everything. Which is kind of sickly hilarious because he's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm supposed to say spoiler alert first. That's okay. It, yeah, it's not as effective. <laughs> guess who, it would be like with The Bachelor saying, guess who Peter the boring pilot on The Bachelor picked for his final rose? He picked Lisa. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. I really spoiled it. There yeah. you go. There's your fucking alert. Here's the spoiler alert for the current Bachelor season. He's boring as fuck. Sorry, ladies. Aw, and she's a big fan of the uh, Bachelor. I do. I proudly that. say I've never watched an episode a day oh, in my life. It's so good. Amen. Hallelujah. It's the drama. I can't help <laughs> it. Like, I love, it's like watching a car wreck. Yes. I guess you have to have that kind of drama in your life now since you're a sober alcoholic. Exactly. There's not as much anymore. No, I can't tolerate it in my personal life, so I watch it on TV the train wrecks of other people's lives. Yes. Excellent. A thousand percent. All right. I'm Lisa. I'm Lisa. <laughs> You're Lisa as well? Yeah. <laughs> She's Lisa as well. And uh, Julie will be on our next podcast <laughs> of Two Sober Chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us.